Hey, how you doing? It's Clayton here from howtodrawcomics.net. And today, what we're going to be talking about is booting up the drawing system, getting into the zone. And I'll be giving you my personal tips, advice, and insights as to how I do that for myself as well. Because this is a struggle that many of us budding comic book artists contend with every time we sit down at the drawing board. Here's what happens. See if you can relate with me on this. You start sketching out a kick-ass pose for the next character that you're going to draw. Maybe you're using the mannequin model, maybe the box method to construct your figure. You're attempting to do your best to get the proportions right, make sure that anatomy is in check. But for some reason, despite your focus on these key areas, the pose is just lacking something. The construction of the figure just isn't stacking up the way it should be. And indeed it should be because you've got a little bit of drawing experience behind you. You have a solid grasp on the fundamentals. Maybe you are a professional comic book artist. Maybe you've been doing this for decades. And yet why is this still something that you have to tussle with? Something that you need to overcome? Something that is coming up for you when you sit down to draw at the beginning of the day? Well, my friend, it's because you need to warm up. You need to give yourself that space to get into the mode to activate drawing mode. Now, this is something that came up for me just yesterday when I was setting out to draw a brand new piece of Dragon Ball Z fan art. You guys know that I'm a big fan of the anime and the manga alike. Love them both. And it was a fan art of a character from the series called Bulma. Beautiful woman. Uh, at the request of my brother Corey, we wanted to do, look, I'm going to be honest with you right now, we wanted to do a sexy Bulma fan art, thinking that when we posted it out there, it was going to go off, it was going to go viral, because who doesn't like some uh, <laughs> some smutty fan art of a character that they're probably familiar with? Um, okay, so, I mean, that's... Uh, that's really probably one of the key reasons we get into drawing in the first place, to draw sexy chicks at, at least, I'll say that for myself, I won't speak for anybody else, but that was a big motivator, admittingly. And it wasn't just me that wanted to draw that stuff. It was all my friends in primary school and throughout high school who wanted me to draw that stuff as well. Uh, in fact, funny story... One of my best buddies in high school, he caught on to the fact very quickly, very early on, that I was able to draw sexy ladies at a teenager level. So they actually sucked. But what I was capable of was quite impressive to my peers in high school. And so he made a request. He said, could you just draw me? I mean, at that age... Any naked, anything naked that is female is going to do the trick, okay? That is the number one commissioned request of every teenage boy. And so, of course, he, re he makes this request 
and I do my best. I'm a little bit weirded out getting into it. I've never really done it before. The The maximum I did was in primary school drawing a W with two little two little dots on the bottom of each of the dips in the W and uh well well I got in trouble for that as well but let me continue on with this story of my teenage years so I draw this uh smutty piece of artwork for my buddy and he loves it takes it home he's going to treasure it but he needs to find a hiding spot for it because he doesn't want his mother to discover it right that might be an awkward conversation. Well, that awkward conversation happens anyway because his brother discovers this piece of lewd drawn artwork in his CD player and goes straight to his mother. Tells his mum about it and, of course, my buddy gets a big old lecture and a note that is requested by his mother to give to me And in the note, it says that she needs to talk to my mother about this situation. Well, I look at my buddy and I say, no, this is your problem, man. This is nothing to do with me. You asked me to do it in the first place. You got busted. You deal with the consequences. And he's like, no, but you have to. You, You have to give this note to your mother and hook up a correspondence between the two of them. And I'm like, no, hell no. And it wasn't just, uh, I've always had requests to draw uh, less than safe for work content. And and I haven't really taken on any of those commissions, to be honest with you, because some of the requests that you get are totally crazy. Anyway, so fast forward to now, uh, I'm open to this conversation that Corey and I are having about drawing a sexy bomber from Dragon Ball Z. We think it's going to be a great idea. And so that's exactly what I set out to do. I've got a little bit of spare time on my hands. I want to do something fun. You know, take take a bit of a breather from the the actual work that I've got to do on a daily basis. And even then, this will probably become a demo of some sort showing people how to draw beautiful-looking female poses. Anyway, so I'm going and I'm drawing out these figures. I start out with the first one, and it looks okay, but I know that it could be better. However, I'm reluctant to do another one because I've invested a little bit of time into this first pose that I've jotted down onto the page. It's only got to be five minutes for you to feel invested in the direction that your drawing is going in. And so... I keep on building upon it, trying to make it work. I pull this out a little bit more here, tuck this in there. Shaping, sculpting. Again, trying my darndest to get this thing going in the direction that I want it to go in. And I know what the truth is. I know that what I really need to be doing is a series of poses and selecting the best pose from that lineup I end up placing down onto the page. That's the way it's done. Because here's the thing. 
oftentimes our first idea, the first thing we draw out onto the page isn't going to be the best. And we hate that. We don't want that to be the case. We don't want to have to go through five different figure drawings in order to arrive at the one that we will then have to reconstruct anyway in order to reach the best outcome we possibly can for whatever drawing it is we're going to take through to the finish line. But I decide to do this anyway. I bite the bullet. I toss aside the first pose I come up with, which isn't bad, really, by most standards. I mean, I'm sure most people would have seen it and thought I was crazy for for doing up another pose. They would have said, yep, that's the one. Let's go with it. But for me, I wasn't satisfied. And very few artists are satisfied with the work that they're doing, but that's still not enough to motivate them to try something different, give themselves some additional options. But that's exactly what I do. And the very next pose that I draw down for beautiful Bulma is going away better than the first pose. Even as I've only constructed half of the body of the following pose, it's it's got a different kind of energy to it. It's got more gesture to the shape of the contours I'm laying down to describe her body to the soul of the pose itself. It's got so much more movement in it. It's got spirit. It feels, it evokes a feeling of sexiness and it draws you in. It looks so much more alive. Whereas the one before, it looked stiff and jagged and kind of contrived, something that many figure drawings run into. It's it's a major problem that, again, comes up for every artist out there. And we're constantly trying to figure out ways around it. But little did we know, the one thing that we needed to do was to just see that first set of lines we lay down onto the page as a trial testing period. See that first figure we draw as a test dummy. Just something to get the badness out of our system so that we can get to the good stuff. Now, sometimes you're going to be lucky. There are going to be times where it just so happens by a fluke that you wind up drawing the best possible thing right out of the gate that you could have come up with. And maybe you've even gone through a few different variations and still that first thing that you drew down, nothing beats it. But that's very rare. And more often than not, what you're going to find is that you've just got to push through that first pose, understand in your mind that it probably sucks, that it's probably not going to be the one that you end up going with in the long run. And once it's done, move on, okay? Do a couple more poses. So what I end up doing is three additional poses beyond the first one that I did for Beautiful Bomber. And maybe that's what I'll call the piece. Beautiful Bulmer, does that work? I don't know. So I do up four more poses. No, three more poses. So I've got four poses all up by the end. I've got the first one that is the suckiest one out of the entire lot. And then the next one, which is pretty good. The third one and the fourth one, all quite good. All of those later three would have worked quite well. 
and they're variations, okay? So they're not iterations of the same pose that I did initially. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I'll try out a pose from the back. Maybe I'll try out a pose from the front with a bit of a twist. Maybe I'll tilt our shoulders that way in this pose. Maybe your hips this way in the next pose. And I explore a little bit. I give myself the opportunity to try out a few different things simply because I don't exactly know what it is I'm after in the beginning. And sometimes I'll jot something down onto the page and it'll spring up a new venture, a new creative avenue that I could go down and maybe that'll lead somewhere that I didn't even expect and I'll be able to come up with something better than I could have imagined. And I think this is, this is the thing. When it comes to drawing, when it comes to your art, oftentimes you have two minds about it. You're asking yourself, well, do I need to have an idea to go into the drawing with? Do I, how refined does it need to be in my head first in order for it to work? Do you need an idea at all? Or can you just start drawing onto the page and the idea will start to form itself organically? And my response to that is I believe you can have a vague idea in your head, but most of the work is going to be done just through exploration, through leaving an open-ended opportunity for yourself to expand upon the idea and let it grow. In other words, you want to plant the seed, but you don't want to water it and raise it inside your head. You don't want it to blossom inside your head. No, you... You want to do that through the drawing process. You want to have the seedling of the idea, then plant it down onto the page and grow it. That's been my approach. And sometimes I forget how well it works, which is why I stick with the first thing that I laid down onto the page. Accidentally sometimes. And I hate myself for it because... I keep on developing and refining and pushing that initial idea only to realize when it's too late that, damn it, if I had to just spent two minutes on this and then two minutes on another one and two minutes on another one after that, I could have had the best of those three options and instead been polishing that up. So how do you activate drawing mode? When especially it's the first drawing of the day and you're working on a brand new piece? Well, what I would highly suggest to you, here is my number one tip. The thing that's going to work for you almost every time. Draw out a trial, sketch. Then... A couple other sketches after that. Because that first trial sketch is just to warm you up. It's a warm-up, okay? See it as a warm-up. Know that no matter how good you think you are or how much you're going to perfect that initial drawing, that it's going to suck, probably. And that anything that comes there on after is going to be the culmination of all the absence now issues that the first one had. Because you're going to discover the errors. You're going to discover the flaws. You're going to discover what it is you want to avoid at all costs 
with that first pose, with that first sketch, whatever it is, it might not even be a pose, it might be a head sketch or something like that, but you're going to discover what you don't want during that phase. And you'll be that much closer to determining what it is that is most going to make that idea work. And you'll exercise it in the following sketches that you do. So it's really a simple answer to a complicated challenge that many of us struggle with consistently, even when we know how to get past it. And so the real problem here is getting too hooked on that first initial idea and being reluctant, sometimes so reluctant that you don't move on at all to another option, to exploring the variety of different directions the drawing could otherwise go in during that preliminary stage. And the preliminary planning of a drawing really does need to take place. It needs to have its space throughout the process because if you don't give it that, if you don't go through idea exploration, you're missing out on a very important creative aspect of the workflow itself. And what you'll wind out with as a result is something that looks unimaginative and generic, something that you got so invested in, so attached to that you couldn't let go of, and slowly but surely you, you polished it up layer upon layer until it was so stiff, so, uh, so set in stone that it just didn't have any vitality to it. There was none left. And people sense that coming through in the finished piece. People, they feel that there was not as much creativity present in the output that you had due to the path that you went down as there would have been if you let yourself be creatively free in the beginning and not become attached to anything. Okay, so the real key here is not to place too much importance, not to pat yourself on the back too hard, or to diminish your efforts too much in the beginning, but to have an even keeled, almost detached association with the work that you're putting down onto the page, at least at the start. Now, once you see a good idea come about on the page and you love the way in which it's headed, it hits you with a spark of inspiration that gets you excited, then you can become a little bit more invested. Then you, you know that you're onto something, that the time you're about to invest into this particular creative avenue that you've opened up is going to be a worthwhile endeavor that it's probably going to lead to somewhere good. But don't force what is a bad idea to try and make it good because it will always stay as bad. It's true what they say. You can't polish a turd, right? Like if it is flawed from the beginning, it is built upon an unstable foundation that has very little merit it doesn't matter what you do to that piece. It doesn't matter how much you try to tinker away at it. In the end, what 
you're hoping for, what you're what you're setting out to do, just it isn't going to become realized. And not in the way that you think it will be. It'll be a much less satisfactory realization if it's realized at all. So make sure that you value your time. Make sure that you're uh, investing it in an artwork that you're creating, which is actually going to be impactful. Something that you can look at the at the end and go, hey, wow, I'm glad I spent days. I'm glad maybe that I spent weeks on this thing because look how much of an incredible reward I've gotten at the end of the hard work I put into this. It was worth it. You never want to get to the end of a piece of work that you spent, that you put time into only to say, man, that was, I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish that I hadn't spent much that much time and energy putting this thing together. Because you're going to resent it. And then that'll lead to an associated resentment of your craft itself. And you certainly don't want that to happen too often. Because those feelings of disappointment within yourself, of unsatisfactory experience when it comes to your art, well, that's going to get activated again and again every time you sit down to draw. And sooner or later, you'll be sitting there working on your art, something that you should love, something that you say that you're passionate about, and feeling terrible for some reason. And the true reason of it will be the resentment that you've associated with it because you've simply not been daring enough to push yourself past the first attempt of whatever artwork it is you're setting out to do. Making mistakes, reiterating your art, and having another go at it, having it not go perfectly is the key to winding out with artwork that is memorable, that stands the test of time, artwork that you love, artwork that you're proud of. That's so important. I make mistakes constantly. And it's embarrassing because sometimes I'm making mistakes in front of people that I'm doing a demonstration for. However, I try to remember this, that I'm showing whoever it is this demonstration to the real process, the real way in which a great piece of artwork unfolds. I'm showing them that making mistakes, that having things not run perfectly just comes with the territory. And so the next time you sit down, fresh at the drawing board, you're looking at that blank piece of paper, and you're about to jump into your next masterpiece, and you're feeling the pressure, you're feeling the amount of expectation that you've got for this thing pile up on top of you, Remember this, relax, chill out. Nothing is set in stone. Everything can change, just like the nature of life itself. Nothing stays the same. And that your drawing process that you are about to take part in, it is going to be a heck of a journey. 
Okay, it could go anywhere. It's going to be an adventure to remember. And by the end of it, hopefully, if you have been adventurous enough, you'll wind out with something that is truly memorable, something that you're happy with, something that is the epitome of the idea that you initially had. You gotta explore to find that epitome. You've got to sometimes do all the wrong things in order to figure out what the right things are. That is at least what I've found in my experience. And the thing that has always worked, whether I've liked it or not, is to get the dud pose down as soon as possible. Then following that, start to ramp up their quality. Learn from the first Learn from the second, learn from the third, then start experimenting. Heck, you don't even have to do four poses like I did. Do 20 poses. See which one sticks out to you the most. Show some people. That's exactly what I did with the Balmer sketch that I came up with. I showed him the female poses that I'd come up with for her, and he told me which one he liked best. I don't know how to make decisions. I know I can guess sometimes what's going to work based on my own perspective, but showing my art to others is really how I get an unbiased flavor of feedback. I can't I can't get that from myself because I'm 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 either going to just hate everything I do, which isn't accurate. You know, not everything I do is terrible even if I think it is, and not everything I do is great, even if I think it is. My opinion about my art really counts for squat. Really, what I need to do is just enjoy the process no matter what, and I would suggest the same thing to you. But if you want an opinion, show your art to a few people. Now, don't just take what they say is gospel, because they might not be right either. It's just, it's just their opinion. But gather a few opinions... Balance it out with what you intuitively think is accurate about your art and go from there. So I hope that helps you out a little bit. And really, that wraps up what I wanted to say on this particular topic. It's just a little nugget of information, of insight that I hope will help you forward that will simply remind you not to be too hard on yourself right at the beginning. Realize you've got to warm up, especially if you're putting pencil to paper. For the very first time throughout the day, you're going to have to go through that warm-up period. So don't bank too much on the first thing you lay down onto the page. That's all I'm saying. It is that simple. You're going to want to hold on to the first thing you lay down onto the page. But... Be brave enough to move forward and try something else and then something else after that. Give yourself some options. What I'm going to do now is go through the chat here and I thank you so much to everybody who is tuning in right now. I really appreciate you and I'm going to go through your questions, go through your comments and respond to them. I'm going to... Uh, you know, lend you my thoughts on what it is you're saying. And heck, maybe you're lending your thoughts to me on this here topic. So let's say a big hello to Mr. Darren Wagoner, a longtime fan and supporter of the howtodrawcomics.net channel. 
Really appreciate you, man. He says, Bow, keep these awesome videos coming, bro. Hey, I'm trying to keep it up. I didn't want to stream again today, but it's just like I said the other night. Action first. Feeling, oh, feeling and thought follows action. Permanent action leads temporary feeling and thought. Really important. Some person says, I guess Ali ain't streaming tonight. <laughs> well, you know what? She was the other night, and unfortunately, I didn't realize. So Ali, for those who don't know, is the creator of Egg Beater, a very macabre and excellent-looking comic book that you can currently back, I believe, on Indiegogo. But she's also a friend to me and howtodrawcomics.net. And we always have a great time when we catch up, whether it's on my stream or her stream. And I like to catch up on her streams because we just have an absolute blast. But I forgot that it was on the other night and I missed out. I was really disappointed, to be quite honest with you. But oh well. What can you do? There's always next week. All right, we have hockey. What's going on? Good to see you here. <laughs> he says, what's Dragon Ball Z? You know what Dragon Ball Z is, hockey. Don't you dare try to troll me like that. I don't want to have to educate you, old timer. I mean, Dragon Ball Z has been around for a very long time. Was it around in the 80s? Does anyone know? It, I know that it's been around since I've been alive. Silky C, wonderful to see you here. I appreciate you tuning in tonight or today, depending on where it is you are in the world. The Art and Times of J. Ryan says, Furries have deep pockets. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And really, we could dedicate an entire stream to the opportunities available to lewd artists out there. Now, I am no... I'm, I have no idea about that stuff, to be honest with you. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't trekked into that particular area of opportunity that artists have. And it's... It's certainly interesting to think about because I feel like people create a certain association to you and your art a lot of the time. And the thing is, is that when you just, if you decide to start drawing, uh, well, let's say less than savory content for clients, for yourself, or to make available for people to buy. One must wonder, as an artist, how the audience will then see them. Or how relatives may see them, how their mother might see them. Okay, what if you, you know, you're like, you listen, guys, if you want some furries, 
I'm drawing him now. I want to make some money. I got to pay the rent this month. Tell me what your furry fantasies are, and I will draw them for this X amount of money. Now, I don't know if you want to promote that too hard because mother's going to be asking some questions. Your dad might give you a funny look. Oh, what are you drawing now? Jeez. Your friends. So you really have to be okay and comfortable with it. And I find that if you are okay and comfortable with it, usually other people are going to be okay and comfortable with it too. Uh, so you really have to own everything you set out to do, not just with art, but in life in general. Because if you're not okay with it, then people are going to sense that. And they'll feel like there's, because of that incongruency, they're going to be wondering what the heck you're doing. That They'll feel like it's not quite you. So you have to be okay with it at a core level because people will sense it otherwise. But hey, what do I know? Again, I haven't really ventured into that territory personally. I know that there's definitely plenty of artists, artists that are absolutely amazing. And I follow some of them that that do do that kind of thing. And good for them, you know. It just comes down to what is okay for you. And you put all these years into developing your ability as an artist. You should be able to draw what you want. I think you've earned it in the end. What you want to a degree. Uh, I mean, I guess there's always going to be certain limits. You hear about comic books out there that actually do get banned because they're just, well, well, sometimes, honestly, they're not even that bad. And sometimes they are very bad, but um, they get banned uh, for for particular reasons. So legally, there's the limits on, on what it is you're able to draw. But I guess for yourself, you can kind of draw whatever it is you want if you gain the ability to be able to do it. And that's what I always say. Uh, to artists who might get flack for drawing simply sexy ladies, or it could be an artist that's just really into drawing really buff, handsome men. I mean, whatever it is you're into drawing, right? If people are going to give you flack for unrealistic proportions and anatomy, which is one of the primary critiques that come up for many comic book artists out there. It's like, well, you know, you've paid your dues to be able to execute that. You've gotten to a point where now you're able to actually draw and get a reaction from the content that you're putting out there from people. You're stirring them up a little bit. And if they have anything to say about it, like, oh, you shouldn't be drawing that, you should be drawing this instead. Well, in the end, it's it's really not up to them. You can draw whatever it is you want. And if they want to see artwork look a certain way, they've always got the option to put the many years of hard work and study in that you did in order to be able to do it for themselves. You know, art is a very individual and personal thing. Dom Gomez says, I found a lot of success doing thumbnails and blowing the thumbnail up instead of drawing on board from scratch. Yes. That's a great thing to do. And you know what's funny is that many artists for decades have taken that approach. It's much better to draw smaller. That's what I've found. Because you get an overall look at the composition of what your drawing is going to be. 
you're able to see better whether or not it's going to come together at a large scale. And usually, if it does look good in thumbnail form, then it's going to blow up to look good at that large scale. It's going to work out well. It's, it's a well-designed roadmap that you'll be able to follow. And oftentimes, as just to add to that, you'll find that there's a little bit more energy that you can play around with in the final when you've got your uh, when you've laid out your thumbnails because the lines are so loose and they're so messy and rough around the edges that there's just more energy within them. And that's a really good thing because ultimately, as you start to refine the finished drawing and you're cleaning everything up, the work will, as a result, get less life in it, less movement. It'll look more clean cut. And if you don't watch out, if you haven't got the right amount of energy present there from the get-go, it can really start to stiffen up a little bit. And it can lose that that life that it had in the beginning stages. Okay, that's why people love work in progress shots so much when you post them on your social media as an artist because it looks more lively. Now, of course, they enjoy being part of the process and, and peering in to how that unfolds as you're working on the piece, but still at the same time, it, it's also because of the the energy that's coming off of it. I think this is oftentimes why uh, inked work can come across as a little bit underwhelming if it's not inked by a professional who knows how to incorporate that energy into the line work after it's been completed by the penciler. Silky C says, question, when designing a character, how do you avoid creating a boring design while also not making it overboard. How do you get that nice, fine balance? Well, it, the the way in which a character is designed and the level of detail, which is what you're really talking about here, I think, the level of complexity of that character design, the level of complexity can be broken down into three categories. Medium details, large details, and small details. And you really want to balance those out. So the first thing to focus on is obviously going to be, because we're thinking in broad terms here with the design, to begin with, is you want to think in big, big details. Okay, what are the main shapes that I'm going to be dealing with in the character's design? What's the silhouette? going to involve? What about the interior silhouettes? Okay, how are we cutting up this character design into different sections? What are we going to see? What kind of lines are we going to be working with? Are they curved lines that are going to be going around these large shapes? Or are they sharp, jagged lines? What sort of feel do you want to go with? Is it soft? Is it hard? These are the considerations you want to make in the beginning of a character design. Remember, large shapes. What are the biggest portions of the character design that you want to deal with? And then, once you have the larger areas 
established throughout the character's design. You know, it might be things like shoulder pads or the shape of the helmet or the boots or the uh, or the um or the elbow pads, whatever it is that you're putting into this design. You know, if it's a uh, if it's just a regular female character, for example, not a sci-fi character, then maybe it's going to be the shape of the jacket that the character is wearing, the shape of her cap, the shape of her boots, the shape of her skirt. Okay, these are the main primary components of the design that need to be silhouetted before you start to get into the medium and fine details of the design. So once you've got those larger areas figured out, then you want to zoom in a little bit. Then you want to get down on a more finessed level and start to plot out what the medium details are going to be. So when it comes to cutting up those large shapes or implementing the medium elements onto the large shapes, because that's what you are going to be incorporating the medium elements into is the large silhouetted areas that we have established for the design first. You want to think about then what what shapes you're going to be picking for those. And then finally, you're going to have the finer details. You're going to have those minuscule little bits and pieces that you're going to add in there. And here's the key thing, the way in which you balance out those details, well, it's going to be the broader details first. So there's going to be a a few of those. And then you're going to have the medium details, which, you know, there's really probably only going to be one or two medium details on the larger details. And then you're going to have the finer details. And so there's going to be even less finer detail unless you're talking about texture, in which case you know, you want to try to create some contrast throughout your character design. You don't want to texture the whole thing. You want sections that are textured. Remember that the more condensed detail is, the darker the tone it will create overall. The less detail you leave in an area, the lighter that area will appear as a result. If you have a really detailed shoulder pad on this side and a shoulder pad on this side of the body that has barely any detail in it, this shoulder pad is actually going to look darker. It's going to look like it's got more going on. It's going to be more dense visually, whereas this one will have a lot of space in it. Okay, it'll feel more blank, and that's that can be a good thing. That and and what you want to do is try and combine those two, because if the whole body, if the whole design is super detailed, then this looks flat. But if it's broken up with details, with the with, with as, aspects of the design where the eye can rest and take a breather, it's going to feel more visually appealing to the viewer. So, yeah, keep that in mind when it comes to design. Now we have Rumble Roo Comics. I think new artists find it hard to do warm-ups and iteration as they may feel every drawing needs to be worth the investment of time and energy they put in. Exactly. And it's a huge problem. It's not just about practicing getting good. It's 
about practicing becoming more detached. And this can be a generally good thing in life. (laughs) If you're using it in a positive manner, obviously you don't want to be detached from everything. But what I really mean by this is if you don't place too much importance on your victories, if you don't place too much importance equally on your losses, if you don't place too much importance on the outcome and focus more on the process and keeping your attention there without thinking about where it's going to lead, there's a greater chance that you'll end up with a better outcome in the long run anyway. Because while you're not focused on the outcome, you can be more present in the process and self-monitor less, which means your artistic intuition can kick in because you'll have less thoughts. You'll have less scrutiny being applied to your art as you're trying to work on it. How can you be thinking and creative at the same time? The two cancel each other out. You can't be. Creativity needs to be unhindered by thought, unhindered by question, unhindered by scrutiny and monitoring. And sure, thought and logic can work really well when you're trying to learn proportions and anatomy. Of course, you've got to think your way through that. But when it comes to what you use all of that training and information for in order to create an actual finished piece of artwork, well, thinking doesn't do you a whole lot of good. You want to let it take a back seat. Obviously, you're going to be thinking on some level. Your brain's not going to shut down. You're going to be thinking on some level, but you want to take all that logic, give it a back seat, to the creativity and let the creativity lead the logic instead of the logic trying to lead the creativity because that just doesn't work. That's not going to pan out in the most desirable way. And that's what we want our art to have is a sense of desire about it. We want people to find it appealing, right? That we don't people don't care about how well you can draw anatomy. They don't care about your level of expertise when it comes to proportions and composition unless they're learning from you then they care about it but if you're just somebody who's observing a great piece of art they're not focused on that stuff they're focused on the overall broader feeling that every single ingredient you put into the creation of that art evokes but any one component that you've worked very, very hard to perfect throughout the process is gone unseen. You are the only one who will ever know what went into your art. And in the end, when you share it with the rest of the world, well, they, they get to experience the outcome. Okay, The outcome is for them. The process is for you. And that's what makes the relationship with your artwork so special. It's something that no one else can ever have. You're the one that was there during its creation. You're the one who sat with it, who worked on it, who put the hours in, who did the time. And the only thing that the 
end user, the end viewer will ever be able to experience is the outcome of the journey that art took. And so revel in that journey, appreciate it, cherish it. It only happens during the creation of your artwork and then never again. This is the history of the making of your work. And you've got to embrace it. You've got to be there and present. If you're stuck in your head, scrutinizing it, putting all this pressure on yourself and beating yourself up when things don't go perfectly, then that's no good. It's not like you're not going to make corrections along the way. Of course you will. You'll still be looking at your art with a critical eye. You'll still be a bit of a perfectionist about it. That's fine. It depends, though, what mode of perfectionism we're talking about, what mode of critical thinking we're talking about. It depends what mode of correction we're making to our artwork. The correct mode that you should be in is one of detachment. You make a mistake. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to you when you make that mistake? It shouldn't mean much. In fact, if it means anything at all, it should be a relief. It should be a feeling of relief that you caught the mistake in order to continue the journey in the right direction. You make a mistake, it doesn't mean you suck. It doesn't mean you're bad at drawing. It doesn't mean that you've spent all this trying trying to learn for nothing. It just means that you're on the journey. And it's always going to happen. No one goes through the journey of creating a piece of art unhindered by mistakes. Or should I say, undirected by them. It's just part of the process. It's part of the fun. If it all flows smoothly, you become bored. If there's no no fun challenge there for you to sink your teeth into when you set out to create a piece of artwork, you may as well hit the button on an AI generator. It might take a little bit longer for you to do that manually, but in the end, the fun of creating art, the reason that we do it is and has always been for the journey the act of it. The outcome is just a bonus. And there's so many things we do in life, so many things that are purely for the experience. A lot of bad things, a lot of bad things we enjoy in the moment, but they have a terrible outcome if done enough times over time repeatedly. And so the good things in life, the things that are going to lead you to a better place within your art, within your health, within wherever you're at in life in general, those are the things that you really want to be present in the journey of because it allows you to do those things. It allows you the ability to go through the process of executing them without being too hung up, without caring about the outcome so much. The outcome's great and it can be inspiring, but it can also be intimidating 
And it can also place insane expectations on you to perform that ultimately leave you with a feeling of inadequacy, a feeling that you don't want associated with the thing you're supposed to be most passionate about in this life. Be careful. Be very careful the thoughts that you have when you're creating something. If you're thinking about things that are negative, if you're thinking about the woes of the world, if you're thinking about how much you are bad at drawing, or you're thinking about how people are going to judge you when they see the piece, then you're going to, whatever those the feelings are that are coming up for you as you're thinking of those things while you're working, they're the feelings that are going to come up in association with the action of you doing your art going forward. And they're going to become more and more reinforced because it's a habit, right? That's how habits are formed. It's called anchoring, actually, in, in psychology. This is what anchoring is. And you can anchor good feelings to the action that you're doing too. So if you're sitting there and you're thinking about if you're thinking about things that inspire you, if you're thinking about the comics that you're going to create one day, or the cool characters that you're working on in the present moment, or you're thinking about, you know, for me, maybe Dragon Ball Z, for example, something that makes me happy, or something that I'm looking forward to. Maybe it's a holiday, or maybe it's uh, just where, where I want my art to lead, where I want to be 10 years from now, but in a non-stressful manner, one where I'm not putting any pressure on myself, but it's something that I'm looking forward to then those feelings that are coming up from me, for me based on those thoughts are going to then make me feel great, make me feel inspired when it comes to working on my art. And that's, that's when you find yourself in a place where now you're waking up every day looking forward to working on your art because it, it just makes you feel so darn good and inspired instead of, inadequate instead of negative. Rig your brain. It's so important. It is a very important component to your ability to create great art and for you to even want to do it in the first place. Yeah, this stuff's important. So, my Marianne says, great tips. I tend to give up if the face of my character looks odd to me. I'll keep in mind the warm-up part. Yes. I tell you what, do up five faces and I promise you, the fifth face will not look as bad as the first face. It'll have more energy to it, more expression. Love the comments, guys. Thank you so much. These are great. <laughs> the Art and Times of J. Ryan Josie says, My dad is dead, Clayton. Thanks. I never got to tell him I was doing the fairy art for money. <laughs> Oki says, I draw fairy art under a pen name. 
find my fairy art at Clayton Barton Nasty Art. <laughs> well, you know, that's the question. I mean, you could do this stuff under a pen name. It just means you've got to remarket yourself. Or like I said, you can own it. You know, do whatever you want in life. Let let people judge you as they're going to judge you. They're probably going to judge you anyway. No one's going to love you uh, 100% all the time. Maybe like one or two people, but other than that, it's it's a very difficult to get to do everything perfectly. And in the end, you just you've got to do what you enjoy in life. You only live once. I mean, why why would you live for other people? Why would you only draw the things that um, other people thought that you should be drawing, and they're not even buying your stuff? They're just judging you because you're not drawing the correct anatomy in their eyes. Rumble Roo Comics says, in the case of lewd drawings, uh, use a pseudonym that just does that so you can compartmentalize your reputation. Yeah, probably a good idea. I'll keep that in mind. Create Now Sleep Later says, I was adding lead lights to a Chris Bachelor death picture I have. I felt it fell off the wall. Okay, I fe- it fell off the wall and somehow tore the lead strip in half. You couldn't script a worse outcome. No, that sounds like a extremely unfortunate and frustrating experience. Uh, I've had those myself, just one bad thing happening after the other for no reason whatsoever. Like, it's not like it was karma. Just happens. Unbelievable. Shelby Robertson, my friend, always a pleasure to see you here in the chat. Shelby, for those who don't know, and uh, hopefully you do know, is an incredible artist, uh, one of the best, in my opinion, who still has the ability to execute that highly energetic, dramatic, and cinematic art from the 90s that so many of us became hooked on, and that arguably many of us decided to draw comics because of. So, uh, yeah, great to see you here, Shelby, your inspiration. He says, here I am trying to have a no-brainer Babefest pin-up drawing session and Clayton drops a deep thinker stream. (laughs) That's what I do. That's what I do. Duck Bacon says, when drawing, do you always go through a set systematic list or do you scribble all the way through or both this is a really great question duck bacon for me i do follow a set process starting out with the foundations going through the different steps that i execute in order to get a solid foundation down usually for a character if it's for a scene I, I sketch it out. I, I sketch out a very basic rough of the general composition that I want for the scene. 
And then I simply go over the top of it. Scenes are really no problem. They don't require a whole lot of thinking because they can be wrong. They can be off unless they're an interior environment where perspective is involved, in which case a little bit more planning does need to go into it. But if it's an organic landscape, then uh, you can sort of do whatever you want. There's lots of weird looking landscapes out there that you could certainly, uh, you know, uh, go hog wild with if you wanted to. But here's the thing. What matters with any image that you're creating is the composition. So let's say, for example, that you're drawing a desert. Well, where you place the cliffs within that scene, where you put the canyon, where you've situated the camera, that matters. You will always want to focus for your scene. Okay, what is the viewer supposed to be looking at? And then when you decide to divide that scene up, and this goes for panels too, into thirds, make sure that the point of focus you want people to hone in on when they look at your art is put on one of those thirds. That's the basic 101s of setting up a scene, setting up a shot. But yes, with characters, I follow a formula for the foundations. Usually that involves focusing purely on the pose and the proportions and the anatomy in the beginning. So I'm thinking about, okay, I'm drawing a particular character. Let's say it's one of my original characters, Borok, and I know how Borok moves. I know how he holds himself. So I'm thinking about the poses that I would give a character like Borok in the particular piece I've decided to work on. Now, do I have an idea in my head already? Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Maybe I'm just seeing what happens on the page, seeing what I can come up with. But nonetheless, I'm still focused on thinking about the kind of pose that I'd like the character to have. And... That determines, of course, the mannequin model and how that's going to be situated on the page. I construct it bit by bit, usually starting with the head, working my way down the body, adding in the chest vest, as I like to call it, or the simplified rib cage. Then I'll join that down to the pelvis, add in the legs, thinking about the entire movement of the body as I do this, by the way. So I'm I'm following a certain line of movement trajectory, gesture, if you will, as I extend the center line of the chest down into the pelvis, I'm thinking about how is the torso moving as as I place the pelvis under the chest over here, and is it twisting, right? And then I'm thinking about the pose as a whole, though, like where the arms will be and where the legs are going to be positioned. I'm trying to figure out, um, you know, whether or not he's just going to be an idle pose, whether he's going to be in an action pose. Super important during that foundational stage, of course, proportions at this point, uh, sort of second nature for me. So I don't have to think about those much. Really what I'm, I'm judging is the overall composition of the character. Again, so this is still about composition. I might be constructing the character a little bit differently using a different method to how I would construct the landscape, but I am thinking about the positioning of everything and how it looks overall. So I'm constantly aware with my peripherals of where the arms are, where the legs are, and how the body is shaped as it maneuvers into the pose I wanted to be in.
Next up, once that foundation is down, I move on to the design of the character. Well, actually, I lay the anatomy on top, then I get the design in there. So I build the character up in layers. And then finally, once I've gotten the sketch down, because that's everything that goes into the sketch, then it's simple. I don't even have to think about it. I just go in over the top with a more refined line and polish up the line work. Add in the shadows if need be, place down the rendering, bada boom, bada bing, you end up with a finished line drawing after that. But yes, I follow that formula every time. Godspeed says, I say focus more on 80% studies and 20% projects. Yeah, for sure. So it is good to split them up. I think that you want to mix both up from time to time because you want to apply what you're learning in the studies to actual finished pieces of work. You want to be learning in the context that those teachings are going to ultimately be used for. Because your brain needs to know why it's learning something in order to store it properly. It needs to know what the utility of proportions are. It needs to know what the utility of anatomy is in order for it to place the correct level of importance that needs to be on it for you to have proper recall when it comes to using it in a finished illustration. If you're just practicing for the sake of practicing, you'll get very good at those individual things. So you'll get very good at anatomy, very good at proportions. But when it comes to applying those to an illustration, which is really what you're learning all this stuff for, right? You're not just going to create comic books full of anatomy studies. I mean, arguably, that's kind of what comic books are sometimes. But but you want to apply it within, you want to apply what you're learning in the context of what you intend to use those skills and abilities for in order for it to click, in order for you to make the associations that are going to reinforce what you've learned. So, just to tell you guys how I came up in the game when I was studying this stuff, I would. Um, do a bunch of practice studies of figures and, uh, and anatomy and whatnot, you name it. Probably very familiar with that kind of thing. And after I'd done that for a little while, I was curious to see what kind of effect it had on my actual ability. And so I would go ahead and I would create a new piece of artwork and look at the effect and utilize those abilities that I'd been learning. All right. Polisart says, cool. Hockey says, I am going to do a book. Dragon Borok Z. <laughs> totally. Um, Hockey says, why is your camera flipped? Yeah, I might flip it around the other way. Um, I'm not sure yet. Everything that is writing actually backwards in the camera setup that I've got here. Uh, the reason that it's, it's facing this way is, I don't know, because I'm facing to the 
the right and you open a book up from the right i don't know this probably this probably doesn't even matter right probably doesn't matter The Art and Times of J. Ryan says, Yeah, I'm trying out a bunch of pens and brush pens to find what works best for my style, etc. Yeah, it's good to experiment with that stuff. Hockey says, Maybe it feels more engaging to the chat facing them. Ah, uh, yeah, see, that's that's what I meant to say. Hockey, that's that's exactly what I meant to say. All right, so keep on posting your questions. We can hang out for a little bit longer here. Uh, what I'll talk about next is uh, some of the things that I've got planned, which are coming up very soon on howtodrawcomics.net. And I don't tell you about this enough. I don't remind you, but I have got a website for this channel, howtodrawcomics.net. If you're someone coming up in the game, you're trying to learn how to draw comic books, and you'd like a resource that gives you the knowledge and ability to be able to do that, then howtodrawcomics.net, the site that I've created for you, is the place to go. Because on the site, which has a ton of free content on there, you're going to find free tutorials, free videos, just like this one but also demos and a bunch of other cool things. We've got a podcast on there. And then if you are ready to delve deeper on some of this stuff, we've got an entire course library that hosts uh, a number of learning volumes by instructors such as David Finch, myself, Ed Foychuk, Trent Canuga, um, and, and so many other instructors on there who cover a range of topics, anything that you'd be struggling with right now, anatomy, proportions, figure drawing, whatever it is, there's a good chance you're going to find the answers to some of those problems in the howtodrawcomics.net course library. Of course, I've got a bunch of workshops coming up. By the way, I should tell you that the character creator workshop filled up Within the week, in about five days, and so I'm really looking forward to jumping into that. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, spilling the beans on my own character, in my entire character creator process. I'm sure I'll end up inevitably giving a bit more bang for everybody's buck because, well, you know, you guys know how much I like to deliver on the amount of information uh, I give to people. Uh, you can't stop me talking. I'll just ramble on about the same thing uh, over and over again until it is ingrained in your brain. But like I said, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to do this program. It's always fun catching up live with students because there's that interaction there, uh, similar, not unlike what's happening here with the stream, but you know, people are able to ask questions. I can help them through whatever problems they're having in the process that I'm showing them. I can give them that all-important critique and feedback and advice that they can't really get from anywhere else. You know, I, I used to hate having to go through the learning process on my own 
I couldn't really ask anybody. Like my mum doesn't know squat about drawing, right? And none of my friends really drew. I, the only people that I was watching do art lessons were people who are over in America, you know, like David Finch. And at the time, I really didn't have his contact information to reach out to him and ask for advice. I hit up a few artists on Facebook and they they got back to me actually and they they would give me some tips here and there, but usually it was a few paragraphs, but it still wasn't it still wasn't like having a trained professional looking over your shoulder, seeing your work and really going through it with a fine-tooth comb to point out to you all the areas that you were blind to that you could address and which would precisely move you forward the most. You know, it can feel like we're taking such little steps with this stuff sometimes and it's just because we haven't honed in yet on the things within our art that would be a real game changer if it was attended to. And so I, I I just love that level of interaction with the students that jump into these workshops and it gives me the opportunity to be able to do that stuff. I think it's the future of online education. I'm going to keep on doing those. In fact, the next workshop that I'm going to run, and by the way, sign up to the howtodrawcomics.net email list because I open the doors to people who are subscribed to that list before I announce to the public these workshops. And the reason that you want to be on the list is because sometimes the workshops sell out even before I can get it out to the public. Like the Heads and Faces workshop, which sold out multiple times and I never really released it to the public. So the next workshop that I'm going to be doing is sequential storytelling. And the reason that I want to do sequential storytelling, so actually drawing comic book pages, is because everybody wants to know about it. Uh, I get questions in regards to drawing comic book pages all the time, how to lay out panels, how to place characters into a scene, how to set the scenes up. And for some reason or another, even though this is a massive challenge for so many artists in general, right? most artists can't do sequentials. And comic book artists who are trying to learn this stuff just have nowhere to really learn it in depth. Like, where can you go? Like, someone tell me, because I've tried looking this stuff up for myself. I've tried researching it for my learning programs. I've tried looking it up just for, to, to inform myself on how to do certain things, but there's just nothing out there on sequential storytelling. And, the, the, well, the th- they, that's a lie because there are some things out there on sequential storytelling, but it doesn't get anywhere near in-depth enough. It doesn't give you the, the real stuff that's going to help you out. It's like overview. Here's an overview on how to do sequentials. But me, man, like I I love thinking about sequential storytelling. That's one of the reasons that I do comics in the first place is because I just think it's the, the best storytelling vehicle. You get the visuals, you get the dialogue, and you get the experience of holding the book in your hand like you would a novel, and you just get to be part of that. You get to smell the pages. You get to, you get to be a part of that story, and it's it's the next best thing to being a movie director. Except it's more involved for the reader, and obviously you can pull it off all on your own. You can you can draw a comic book. You can even ink and color it, like I I learned how to do on your own if you've got the time and the ability to do it. But like I said, I just feel like this is one area where it's the resources and the knowledge out there is really lacking. I don't even know the conventional way 
really to do a comic book page. I've just made it up on my own, and and somehow it's a, somehow I've stumbled my way through the dark in order to figure it all out and to to be able to create comic book pages that are funnily enough. Um, I have a little bit of a knack for, not to brag too much, but the only reason I think that I have a knack for creating comic book pages, because I didn't really have a whole lot of practice with them before I started working officially on comic books. But the reason that I think I've got a bit of a knack for them is because I'm a big movie buff. I love watching movies. I want to be a movie director. And i got to tell you, when I'm drawing up a comic book page, I really do feel like I'm holding a camera, directing a movie. I'm figuring out where all the characters are going to be situated, how the panel and and what is in it will be framed, what kind of panel is it going to be most appropriate for the scene that I want to present, how they're going to be layered, whether they'll be set up in a grid. It's it's really just so so fun. I if there's anything that I love if I if I love drawing one thing the most, Beyond everything else, I love drawing characters. I love drawing illustrations, but it's comic book pages that I love drawing the most because I get to tell a story. I get to explore the scene from multiple vantage points, and it's just you get to be so creative with it. So that's why I want to make that the focus of of the next workshop that I set up. And I mean, who who knows how many people will be interested in it? I expect that we'll get definitely a few people booking in. Um, just because it's, yeah, I mean, I feel like if you want to make comics, uh, you, it, it's so valuable to have a workshop like that to get into in the first place. All right. Um, and so the other things that I want to do with how to draw comics.net, specifically the channel. So I've, I'm going to start adding the interviews I do with people and even some of these talks that I'm doing with you here to the podcast. So if you're on Spotify, if you use the the Apple iTunes store, you can actually listen to the howtodrawcomics.net podcast for free on these platforms. I don't charge money for the podcast at all. And you can switch it on while you're drawing. You know, I love listening to podcasts while I'm drawing, but... And I was even listening to just the howtodrawcomics.net podcast the other day because while I was drawing on... Uh, uh, the the bomber piece actually, uh, just because it was just it was so easy to listen to and get into, and it's very appropriate to the action of actually drawing something. You know, you're getting this drawing knowledge, filling your head from artists from all walks of life with different experiences, and it just I couldn't think of a better thing to switch on when I sit down at the drawing board to. Uh, to just fall into the zone with. So there's the podcast, which I'll be adding more episodes to. And then finally, uh, so this is a pretty big announcement. It's more of a test. It's an an experiment. I'm not even sure if it's going to work. But what I would like to do, and I was thinking about doing it tonight or today, depending on where you are in the world, or maybe even tomorrow. But what I'd like to do is live narration with you of specific pieces of artwork that I've recorded. And one of the reasons that I want to do that is because, you know, I don't mind narrating when it's just me talking into the microphone 
and I'm sort of lending my thoughts and doing a pre-recorded uh, narration for a video demo that I might put out to the YouTube channel. But it, it never really feels like I'm talking to someone. It never feels like I'm, I'm giving that value to you, really, if I'm pre-recording it just on my own. And so I thought, uh, I had the idea of, well, I've got all these recordings that I've never narrated, that no one's ever really seen the process of. So what? imagine if I could do a live with you, you could tune into it, watch the artwork unfold, and I could walk you through exactly what I'm doing live, in person, interact with you. You could leave your questions in the comments section, and I could answer them, and they would actually be specific to the artwork that I'm showing you the demonstration of. And I just thought that'd be super cool. But the reason that I wanted to tell you right now is because I won't be keeping all of those drawing demonstrations up that I go over the top of with live narration because some of them will be used for, for courses. Some of them will be used for, for lessons or included in different packages, that kind of thing. And so I guess it's a it's an opportunity for you, even if it's for a limited time, to actually get some some free premium content uh, and to experience it live, which is not even something that the, the the paid customers will get is that live experience of actually being there as I go over the top of the demo, explaining exactly what is happening within it. So I want to do a few more of these live streams, but instead of just me, you'd look at my mug as I'm telling you something, I'm actually going to be showing you some of these demonstrations, talking you through it, laying out the details and revealing what it is I'm thinking, why it is I'm doing the things that I'm doing throughout the process and, and really explaining it as barely as possibly that I pos as, as I possibly can to you. Um, but again, if you want to catch those streams, I'll leave some of them up, but I'll also be taking some of them straight down. So you need to subscribe, ring the bell for notifications so that you don't miss any of them if you do want to see them. The majority of them I'll probably just leave up, but some of them won't be. Some of them will, will be actual lessons that are sold in a premium course or package of some kind. Uh, that you'll be able to experience firsthand for free, completely free. And all you have to do as payment is subscribe and ring the bell for notifications so that you don't miss when these live lessons are actually happening. So be sure that you do that. Um, and yeah, we'll see how that experiment goes. I don't know. Hopefully it'll work out. I've never really done a live narration over the top of a demo before. So yeah, let me know what you think of that. And hopefully it'll uh, it'll be something that entices you, something that you find valuable or something that'll actually help you out. But that's about all we have time for today. I've really appreciated your company, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. Just to recap real quick on what I said in the beginning, what today's topic was really about. It's so simple. I can sum it up in a sentence. See the first thing you draw throughout the day as nothing more 
than an opportunity to warm up. It's the thing that you're going to use to get you into the zone that you need to be on to draw the really good stuff. So that's uh, that's really the big takeaway uh, that I've got to impart onto you today. And I will be right here with you again very, very soon for another stream. Hit like if you enjoyed the video, if you got some value out of it, and subscribe if you'd like to see more, and ring the bell for notifications if you don't want to miss out on any additional content that comes here on after. And when this stream is done, especially if you're watching the replay, and even if you're tuning in right now, leave a comment in the comment section and lend me your thoughts. Let me know what you'd like to see in streams that I've got coming up in the future. Let me know whether or not the information I gave you during this one actually helped you out. And and if you haven't tried it out yet, let me know how you intend to use it. I'd love to hear from you in those comments. They also push the engagement of the video up so that more people, more artists like you and I will hopefully see the video and get an equal amount of value out of it. I'd say the same thing to actually, I'd give you the same reason for sharing this with your art pals, with family that might be interested in drawing, with anyone you know that would actually find this video useful, pass it on to them and they'll thank you for it. Hopefully it'll make them a better artist, help them get to be where they want to be sooner in their art. And it'll be thanks to you for sharing this content with them. So that's all that I have to say for today. Until next time, look after yourselves, keep on drawing, never stop, and I'll catch you in the next video. Bye-bye for now. Mm -hmm.